Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of a Truthy and Peachy podcast with me, Kimi Kaboli. This episode is going to be such a good one and I'm really, really, really excited to get it out there. Um, our guest today is Natasha Overin and if you've listened to any of my other episodes before, you would know that sometimes my intros end up just being a list of compliments because these people inspire me that I have on the show and today's episode is no exception. Natasha Overin is a source of inspiration for me and she will be to you too, I'm pretty sure. So Natasha and I went to high school together and since then I've pretty much just stalked her Instagram because she's one of the people who actually really inspire me and she's always doing something different. I love seeing what she's up to. She's somebody who's done everything and anything she's interested in like bodyboarding she was competing in it in high school already and she went on to do modeling you can find her face in magazines and makeup palettes she's even great at cooking she has an instagram account for it she has even a page for her poetry she's an amazing writer she's into fitness she has a degree in pr she's gone into automobiles and journalism i'm telling you this girl's incredible she's done it all and she's so pretty and equally well spoken i mean she could coast off her good looks like Zoolander, but she chooses not to, and I respect that. So if you feel a bit frustrated right now, a bit uninspired, or like you feel like you just have to do one thing in life, well, this episode is for you. No more staying in your lane. It's nice to be a specialist, but it's better to be a jack of all trades, and that's something we get into in this episode. I mean, if you knew you couldn't fail, what would you do? And we're also going to get into skincare and makeup tips from her modeling days and the unseen sides of being a model and whatnot. I mean, this episode is full of tips, inspiration, insight, and wisdom. So listen up, buckle up, because it's going to be a wild ride of wisdom. Could you just tell us a little bit about, um, I guess, you, who you are, where you're from, um, and how you got to where you are now? Of course. Yeah. Um, so first of all, thank you so much for having me. Um, <laughs> and and I really appreciate that. I, I definitely have always had a very um, varied amount of interests uh, growing up. Um, I, I did. I, writing has been a lifelong passion of mine. So that's something that's been consistent throughout. But I've, I've always been very into health. Um, I've always um, loved to travel. And I've, I've just tried to really, I think the main thing is I've really tried when I have an interest in something to just follow it and do it. I think that um, a big part of life is is having an element of adventure and an element of fun to it. And I, I think I've always been taught, I was really fortunate growing up to always be taught that if you're passionate about something, you just go for it and you explore it. I think as adults, sometimes we lose that element of just feeling free to play and, you know, to learn things and dabble in different things. And I've always really tried to um, to practice that. So you grew up in St. Clemente, like me. If you guys have never heard of it. It's a small beach town, well, medium-sized beach town in Orange County, California. Do you think that growing up there, do you think that it was just like really ideal place to try new things? Or do you think it was also like maybe your family that was more open than others or what, yeah, what would you say like inspired your confidence? Of course. San Clemente is actually, I think it's the perfect place to grow up. It's a very small little beach town, but um, you know, it's beautiful. And that growing up actually 
um, when I was younger, my, my father passed on when I was young. Um, so I was actually raised um, just by my mom, my single mom. She raised my two younger brothers and I completely single-handedly on her own and is an absolutely amazing woman. And I think that from a young age, you know, my, my father passed on when he was 43, uh, which is very young. And I feel like from a young age, learning how short that life can be sometimes, um, that really made me think, well, why not just go for it? You know, I remember my dad always used to say, I never get jealous of anything that anybody has that I don't, because I know that if I work hard enough, it's just a matter of time before I can achieve that and have that same thing. And the only thing that he was really missing was the time to do it, you know? And so I think for me in my Mm -hmm. life, if if I want to go for something, I think, well, why not go for it? You know, we don't, we don't know how much time we have. Um, And I think that this year, especially really taught us that too, is you never know when your life is going to change in an instant. I mean, we could have never seen a a pandemic coming. Um, And so it's so important to really just live each day doing something that makes you feel excited and, and makes you feel alive. And I think that that's been the, kind of the thread throughout my life is, is to try and really pursue things that, you know, make me feel alive and and excited about life. And um, do you listen to what your own heart is telling you? Or do you also tend to listen to the opinions of others? Um, I'm, I'm a bit hard headed sometimes for better or for worse. Um, But I I think I, my family especially has always been pretty open minded in terms of, you know, do what do what makes you happy, um, and do what you're passionate about, and and the rest will come. So I think that that's a big part of it. But one thing I internally have always struggled with is something that you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, which is um, feeling like you just have to do one thing. I think everybody feels that at some point or another. And and I was actually reading an article the other day about we always talk about the specialist. You know, somebody's a specialist in a certain area. Um, But sometimes it's nice to be a generalist, too. I think society doesn't give enough credit to the generalist, to the person who, you know, might be a jack or a jill of all trades um and and i wish that that was something that um more people would do because it's great to really be specialized in one particular area but it's it's also great to be able to you know um have multiple things that that you're interested in or that you feel that you're competent at definitely um could you explain to the listeners a bit about your um work history and education so people can understand just how much like you have taken risks and changed direction of course of course I'll start from the very early age, from from ten the time I was 10 years old on, I always knew that I loved writing. That's what I decided that I had wanted to do was, was be a writer or be a journalist. Um, but I also happened to be very tall. Um, I'm five foot 10. And when I was 16 years old and I was in high school, um, I was scouted by a modeling agent. And then I ended up signing with um, LA Models uh, in Los, here in Los Angeles um, at the age of 16 on their new faces board. And from that time on, for for the next you know couple years of my life, I was I was traveling. I was doing quite a bit of modeling. I was doing runway and and print jobs, um, and a couple cosmetic campaigns. And at the same time, I was in high school, and I, I felt like this pull when I graduated because on it's a good problem to have. But on one hand, you know, I'd always um, been the, like a straight A student and very Type A, and and college had always been what was on my horizon, but at the time when I was modeling, at that time, um, 
agents didn't tend to be very supportive of you going to college. Um, my agents wanted to ship me off to New York at 18 to go live on my own in a model apartment. And um, I didn't really feel like I was 100% ready for that, especially growing up in San Clemente, which is a very small kind of sheltered town. Um, and at the same time, to add into other things that I was doing, um, I grew up surfing um, and I was doing competitive surfing at the time and competitive bodyboarding. And I had an opportunity to go travel over to Hawaii um, and spend a little bit of time on the North Shore there. And um, my sponsor was going to bring me over there and train. So I graduated high school and I felt like I was at this this crossroads almost of <laughs> three completely separate things to do if I wanted to model or go to college or um, do surfing. And, and it was, it was a lot, it was a lot for an 18 year old to decide. I think in society, we put a lot of pressure on kids to nail out what their life choices are at 18. You know, what do you want to study or, or where do you want to go to school? And, and I think that it, it's nice to remember that, life is fluid and you can make a pivot at any point in your life. You don't have to have it all figured out at 18 or at 25 or at 30 or heck, even at, at, at 40, we can, we, there's always time to, to pivot and do something different. And I wish my 18 year old self would have known that. Um, but I did spend a bit of time in Hawaii. Um, I competed over there a lot. Um, I also had an agent over there and I, I booked a job um, with, actually with Hawaii Five-0 when I was over there. It was, it was a small role, but it was on the TV show Hawaii Five-0 because they do a lot of filming for that, obviously, on the island. Um, and I remember, I don't remember the woman's name, but there was a female on set and she was one of the main screenwriters for the show. And I remember how confident she was on set. And, you know, the, the production in the film and television industry tends to be a very male-dominated industry. And she was able to lead this entire set full of men. And she was so confident in herself and um, so well-spoken and, and conducted herself flawlessly. And I remember being 18 in, in Hawaii and thinking to myself, wow, I wish I could be like that one day. I want to be able to, to you know, command a room and to, to be confident in my career like that. And that was one of the things that inspired me to actually come back to California. Um, I started up school again. Um, and then I, um, I ended up graduating. I went to Cal State Long Beach with my degree in journalism and public relations um, with a minor in marketing. So ended up doing that. Um, and then to add to the, the varied interests, um, when I was in school, I started working as a product specialist um, for a lot of luxury automotive brands here in L.A. Um, so I got to work with Aston Martin, McLaren, Rolls-Royce um, in one of the biggest and you know, most competitive markets for, for automotive um, in terms of sales here. Um, and then that led me into eventually getting into the automotive industry where today I do, um, I still do a little bit of modeling on the side, but I mostly do automotive um, PR, which has been <laughs> exciting. So my, my path has kind of gone, you know, up and down and all over the place, but I, I feel like there definitely is a, <laughs> a, um, an upward direction to all of it. You know, I, th I think sometimes we might always not always know the exact path that we're on, but we turn back and in hindsight, we go, wow, you know, standing where I am today, I realized that everything in my life, even if it made no sense at all, it, it happened for a reason. So, yeah, <laughs> definitely. And you didn't even mention your future path that we were just talking about before we started recording. 
Yeah. So um, I, I actually recently um, took I, going back to school had always been on my on my horizon um, for a while. It was my MBA. And and as I started to look into things a little more, um, I, I've been recently working in, in luxury automotive um, in the electric vehicle space. And I realized I was really passionate about the environment and passionate about environmental law. Um, so I think everybody's had their 2020 kind of uh, COVID revelation of something they want to do. And, and I st- took the LSAT and um, I've been accepted to a couple of different law schools and I'm, that's what I'm doing in fall 2021. So um, well, congratulations. <laughs> this reminds me of something uh, that I read before about Vladimir Nabokov, um, the writer of Lolita. I remember reading his story and I was just so in awe because apparently he was not only one of the greatest like writers of our time or of his time, but he also was very, very passionate about butterflies. And he conducted some of the, the most like uh, significant research on butterflies that we have even today. And he was also a professor because he was very passionate about teaching and so I just love that he had three different passions that turned into his career and he wasn't just defined by his poetry or his literature or his teaching or his butterfly uh, passion and it just showed me that we could do anything we want in this world and we don't have to just yeah like stay in one lane like we were talking about earlier and um, but I just feel like one thing that holds a lot of people back is a fear maybe of being um, a failure or even a fear of success or just a fear of the unknown and maybe this priority of having security over everything. It could also be from our parents. Like my dad uh, was 42 when he had me, so he's um, older and also he's an immigrant from Iran. And so uh, he just grew up as an immigrant wanting to fit in and also wanting security and safety overall. And I remember being younger, um, he was really trying to get me to go to community college. And we got we had a big falling out for a few months because I decided to go to UC Santa Cruz. And he really didn't agree because I wasn't sure about what major I wanted. And he thought I should play it safe and go to community college or maybe join the army. I was like, I don't want to join the army. This isn't for me. He said, well, you know, there's security, there's, um, you know, financial security, they take care of your housing and education and it's a sure route why don't you consider it Mm -hmm. I think he's not alone though and I totally understand where he's coming from if somebody's listening to this and they're sort of similar and they don't know how to take a risk or they were never encouraged when they were younger do you have any kind of advice for them into dabbling in their passions or maybe tapping into their intuition because maybe some people are also so I find them to be so scared to even know where to start like what they're really interested in I know that's a really big question no I I think that I always like to ask myself and I, I would suggest this to anybody listening is that if time um was not an issue and if um money was not an issue. If you weren't going to work for money, if, if you were going to receive the same salary that was enough for you to live, regardless of whatever you did in the world, um, what would you do for a living? Um, you know, some people think, well, I would, I would just not want to work. And in that case, I'd suggest, well, you know, do something and work really hard where you can retire early. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But if it's something that that's different, you know, um, do that. I think that a lot of times that we're, we're so constrained by what we think our, you know, family's expectations are or, or society's expectations are. But in reality, if, if money wasn't an issue and you had all the time in the world, what would you do? You know, I think, exactly. I think it's a good question to ask because me, um, 
I always think if, if it wasn't, I would probably <laughs> always joked that my, my escape plan in life is I'd have a very small organic farm and I'd write novels for a living. <laughs> that, always, that, that, that would be one of the things that I would do if, you know, time, time and, and money was, was no issue. That's right. I've also said that um, one of my backup plans is to get a farm and raise uh, baby um, dwarf goats and just um, like have goat cheese, like artisanal goat cheese that I would sell online with like an anonymous name and be like very exclusive. <laughs> I would make enough money to like live in isolation and do whatever my hobbies are, like writing and <laughs> cooking. That's just I love so if I ever disappear. <laughs> It's okay. Let me know. I love goat cheese. I will be your first customer. (laughs) (laughs) You also have a lot of hobbies outside of career related things. I mean, you are interested in um, fitness and cooking. And so how do you balance like your personal goals and your work goals? Of course. Yeah. So one of the things that you've mentioned is cooking. Um, and I've, I've been doing a lot of cooking. And part of the reason why I have is um, my boyfriend and I, we, we live together and he um, has a pretty severe um, gluten allergy. So a lot of the thing, and he also is allergic to dairy. So a lot of the things that I cook at home, actually all of the things that we cook at home, um, have no gluten in them and no dairy in them. Um, and I think that in terms of talking about balance, um, prior to 2020, um, you know, I, when people started working remotely, I had a commute that was almost, I want to say an hour and a half each way to work. Wow. It was a lot. I was commuting about 15 hours total a week. Um, it was, oh my a gosh, that's a part-time job. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a part-time job worth of commuting. And, um, it was, we always ate really healthy and ate at home, but it was, I do most of the cooking and it was really difficult for us to be able to eat gluten and dairy free, which sometimes takes a lot more preparation. You can't just get takeout that's usually gluten or dairy free. Um, and so this year in 2020, one of the the silver linings of it is I've, I've had a lot more time to, to keep cooking and to cook really healthy. And I think that both my boyfriend and I have seen a big improvement in our health in the last year, um, just being more aware of what's going into our bodies in terms of food and, and cooking at home. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. And what kind of things uh, do you do for self-care? Like when you feel like you've been overworked or a bit stressed, uh, what are some of the activities that you turn to to just feel more centered? Definitely um, exercise. Um, a lot of exercise. I, I love to run. I, I try and run at least a couple times a week. Um, and I, I'm not a good dancer, but I like to dance. I'm trying to I'm trying to tell myself that it's it's okay you can still call yourself a dancer and not be good at dancing, you know, <laughs> or a runner and not maybe be the best at running. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing of varied interests is, is um, I, I really enjoy dancing. So I'll turn on music and, and dance in my apartment. And, you know, that's, that's a great way, I think, to also combat some of the depression that tends to creep in a bit with the way that the world is right now. So um, that's good for me. It's a good self-care thing that I do. Um, and then also, um, my self-care this year has really been skincare. I've really gotten into doing, yeah, using a lot more, um, like clean skincare and, and organic skincare. I think that at the beginning of 2020, I, I really stopped wearing makeup only because we're working from home and there's really not a whole point in putting on a, a full face of makeup and foundation. And when I started to wear makeup again, I realized that some of my old products that I've been putting on my face every single day were really starting to irritate my skin. Um, 
And mm. my skin was so used to not having all of these products on it and all these chemicals on it that when they were back on and I was really aware of what was not only going into my body, but going on my skin, I, I took a second look at the ingredients and, and I switched all my makeup to, you know, being more for sensitive skin and being more organic ingredients, um, which has made a big difference this year. Oh, nice. And how do you find these brands and like, how do you find what's trustworthy or like what kind of ingredients that you want for your skin? Um, I, I try and do a lot of research um, online um, and read some some good articles. We're also really fortunate in LA to have um, a lot of uh, kind of health centered stores that you can go to. I, I get my foundation from um, Air One, um, one oh, of the markets that we have here. Um, so that's one of the ways that I do it. And admittedly, um, my boyfriend is also somebody who's a big stickler for ingredients. And so sometimes I'll actually pass him my makeup and go, can you look at this? Can you tell me if this looks like it's healthy? I wow, how did you know all this? I feel lucky to have met somebody who has just as many eclectic interests as I do. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but he, um, he actually works as an attorney himself. So he did a lot of research into, um, products and things like that for ingredients on products working as an attorney. So what, what kind of products do you use on your skin normally? One of the things that I always, always do every day, especially in Southern California is I always put on an SPF under my makeup. Um, I didn't do this for a very long time just because I didn't like that it clumped my makeup, but now I, I start every day with that. Um, the one that I use specifically is, um, let me see. I actually, I wrote it down cause I knew you probably talk about skincare. <laughs> I, I am <laughs> bad with the names of products sometimes. I'm just like, Oh, I, I put it on my face, you know? Um, <laughs> But um, I, I do use a lot of products as well from Ilia Beauty. I've been I've been using all of their um, foundation. Oh, it's a great brand. Yeah, I really really like it. I actually just discovered it recently. I'm not sure how long they've been around for, but I've I've really liked their products. Um, and then I also have been loving face oils. So I use like a blend that has apricot seed oil in it, almond oil, jojoba oil, um, plant collagen, things like that. I like drown my face for better or for worse my face responds really well to putting oils on it so I like put oils on my face every night before bed it's kind of my my mental way of going okay the day is over I'm shutting down I have my face oil on <laughs> ready to yeah. relax so yeah I love face oils too because I feel like with a cream it's harder I mean I know how to read the ingredients as well but um with a face cream I mean there's a lot more ingredients and it's harder to have a minimalist formula whereas a face oil like anybody could understand and decipher if it's natural or not because the ingredients should be simple it should just be like the the oils and nothing else or maybe like one preservative and that could be natural like a tosiferol the vitamin e or citric acid or something um and so yeah and also like you said it um your skin like can just absorb it much easier since our skin is made of sebum which is essentially oil and water and um so it just i just feel like it lasts longer it's more nourishing it's cleaner and also like value wise when you invest in an oil it lasts so much longer because mm -hmm. you're using just a few mm -hmm. drops so it's just i don't get why people use creams anymore exactly. <laughs> i can't go back love about oils too is just the fact that with the right oil you can throw it on your skin or on your hair as well so it's it's exactly. a one shop for me I feel like if if it's safe enough where you can put it on your hair you can put it on your skin and you know 
if potentially, I wouldn't recommend eating it, but if you accidentally ingested some of these products, you know that yeah. it's something that it's very natural that in, in no way it's, it's going to harm your body. Or if the residues end up going in your bloodstream, I mean, at least you know that it's, it's quite pure. And yeah, I also had one of like, I had a natural mosquito bite oil and it was like lavender and eucalyptus and rosemary, but I ended up using it on my hair and on my face and as a makeup cleanser. And it just, it goes a long way. So oils are the holy grail of beauty and skincare. Yeah, I think that's without a doubt. <laughs> and I have, this is a bit unrelated, but as a, um, a model, you probably have been worked on by a lot of makeup artists. And I was wondering if you have any like cool tips of like little hacks of makeup or things that you know that if you had like five minutes to get ready and you had to do just like very minimal, like what do you think makes the biggest difference in makeup? Um, for me personally, I think it's, it's very different uh, depending on anybody's, you know, your complexion or maybe your, your color, but for me, it's, it's brows is my number one. I always make sure that I, I do brows. I actually never appreciated, um, how much, uh, how important brows can be to your face until I booked a job, um, with Benefit Cosmetics, I actually booked a, um, a brow campaign with them. Um, and I admittedly, I'd never really given much thought to my eyebrows before I worked with them. And then I went, wow, you can really, that's a great way to wake you up, um, transform your face. It's almost like a mini natural facelift, just being able to shape your arches right in a very natural way. Um, and then I think for me, just a little bit of lip color and mascara as well is, is usually what I'll try and leave the house with. Um, but I think natural, natural is usually what I try to go for. It's just, I mean, you would know you, you live in, you know, Paris, right? And, and I feel like everybody always talks about, um, how French girl beauty is that, that like effortless, natural, very classic beauty, um, which is what I, I try as a California girl to aspire, aspire to do. Um. <laughs> well, what you said, I have a few things to say. I would love to go back to the modeling in a sec, but also just about the eyebrows. Um, like four years ago here in Paris, I went to get my eyebrows done at the Benefit Bar and the girl, she was like recommending me a product and um, there was your face on it. And I was like, hey, wait, I went to high school with her. And she's like, yeah. no way, you know this girl, like that is incredible. Like that is so Californian of you. And I was like, yeah, I know. And anyway, I was going to tell you, I don't know if, I don't think I did, but now I'm telling you so well. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I, I definitely agree about the brows and not only like, it doesn't make like a big difference of like a lift, but I feel like it also makes your face more symmetrical sometimes or um, yeah, just they're a striking feature of your face. So especially from far away and definitely depending like if you have blonde eyebrows or um, a lot of Asian uh, women and like men, they have quite thin eyebrows. So defining them makes a huge difference. And I definitely also agree about mascara, about just like making your eyes pop because that's the one thing I try to do too is like enhance my features and not to hide anything. Like I go with that intention of, um, self-love not insecurities and um, that's why I think makeup can be empowering and when you go in it with the right intentions of course and I was gonna say I really love that <laughs> society is moving more in the direction of you know enhancing what you have and, and being unique and, and being yourself and, and I think that that's that's an amazing thing that I as I've watched the industry change from when I first started modeling until now I've really seen a lot of brands obviously going in that direction which mm -hmm. I think is wonderful 
yeah, but on a last note about the makeup, I also think blush goes a long way because um, if you look tired or also if you just want to look like naturally just healthy and dewy, it looks like when I put on blush, I feel like I just went on a run or I just worked out or I just feel like my blood circulation is good and I'm healthy and my blood is flowing. And um, that's in, especially in ancient Chinese medicine, they talk so much about your blood and having a healthy circulation and how that's a sign of health. And I think that um, that's still, I feel like it's a huge part of beauty is looking healthy. So I think blush is huge. <laughs> but about the modeling, I was going to ask, because I'm sure a lot of people listening will, including me, like, it sounds so glamorous and amazing to be a model. You get to travel, you get to have amazing photos of you and people like admiring you. But at the same time, uh, one of my best friends, he went to our school and he also did a lot of modeling in high school. And a lot of people were super mean to him and just in front of his face about how he was like not thin enough or not good looking enough or things like you, you have to have a thick skin yeah. and also um he lived in these model hotels like you were mentioning earlier he did like a few months in Bangkok and Tokyo and New York and um it didn't sound like the the healthiest or yeah the healthiest environment to be around so um do you think that modeling is like a, a glamorous industry like being in it or do you think it's more of like the media kind of showing that one of the things that i've found modeling is as i've gotten older i think i've definitely gotten a more healthy perspective on it but when you're young it's very difficult because they get these girls who are around 16 years old all the way up to 18 sometimes a little younger or older but at that stage in your life you're so used to um listening to authority, you know, listening to your parents or your teachers that you're just looking for somebody to listen to when you go on to set. You're not really thinking independently about whether or not um, what's happening is is maybe good for your future or if you're in a healthy environment. For example, I've had agents who have um, told me to lose weight, but maybe it's in, they tell me that it's to do so in a very unhealthy way um, when I was younger. And these are, you know, young men and women who are very influential and, and you feel like at the time you you have all of this fame and this fortune that's that's being presented in front of you. You know, if you just lose this much weight, you'll, you know, um, book this client. Or if you do this one thing, maybe they'll want to see you for a casting. And uh, there's, I feel like in the industry, there's a lot of very, when you start, you're very bright eyed and bushy tailed. And then after time, there's a lot of, you. it's easy to make small compromises where in the end you go, wait, uh, I'm not as healthy as I wanted to be. Or, you know, I'm, I'm in this culture where I'm now very critical about my physical appearance or, or about my weight when really, you know, these are very healthy people who are like young, um, healthy, young, like men and women who it's not the best thing for them. Um, so I think there's some definite upsides to the modeling industry. I think you know, you do get to travel. It, it is a great opportunity to to make money for, for college. Um, that's what I, I mean, that really helped me through college was modeling. It's what allowed me to, to earn my degree in journalism. Um, but I think that it's so important to make sure that as a young model for anybody who wanted to be a model is um, you make sure you find an agent who's supportive of you. They should never tell you not to go to college or not to continue your education. Um, so yeah, definitely. And I bet you must have a much thicker skin now after having spent this many years in the industry. And you might have a, um, a better sense of who you are compared to 
but people who are, have not been in this industry because I feel like you're you're it's not you like your character that's put into question but it's everything else um your looks and just how you come across and um I'm sure that's hurtful at first but after a while of being in the industry I'm assuming and correct me if I'm wrong you must um really now be like have just a thicker skin I guess and and not care as much about other people's opinions do you think that's true I think that's definitely true I I think that from a very young age when you model a lot of times you're you're thrust into adult situations as as somebody who's essentially still a child um and I think that because of that it it really teaches you you have to grow up really really fast at a very young age um and I think that aside from having thick skin which you definitely definitely will get in the industry the the other thing is that you are you're handling um, you know, contracts at a really young age, you're having to travel and navigate cities you've never been in at a very young age. And I think all of that makes you grow up quite fast as a model. And do you think that these experiences have helped you and just in the rest of your life then like this kind of like, sense of self and having a thicker skin? Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I think so. You're around a lot of people, but it also it can be a lot of models say it can be very lonely at times. And I think it causes you to um, really be comfortable with yourself um, and be your kind of be your own best friend in a sense. Like one, my first time that I actually ever traveled to New York, I was 19 years old and I went there for um, Bridal Fashion Week and I was walking for Maggie Sotero, um, which still like they're beautiful wedding dresses. I, I love all of their designs, um, but I was traveling there by myself. I'd never been to New York before. Um, and I remember it being, whether or not it was the safest thing to do, I remember it being 10 p.m. And I was in my hotel room by myself. And I thought, well, I'm going to go and explore New York City right now. Like a 19-year-old who's not afraid of anything does. Um, and I ended up stumbling into Times Square myself. And I was completely safe and, and fine. But being able to walk around a completely foreign city at 19 by myself and and be in the middle of Times Square was it was a great experience but you know you're you're having a lot of these experiences in cities by yourself because you're traveling alone for a, a lot of clients so i think that yeah it teaches you to be be really comfortable with your own company as well that makes sense and i do remember one of your stories like i don't know how long ago but and i don't know why i remember all this but one time you were like <laughs> sitting by a river i think it was like in chicago and you were writing poetry and i was thinking like that is the dream but of course like there are lonely moments but being able to have your own time and now that you're in a relationship and you're doing everything with one person, I'm sure you could appreciate those moments even more. And um, it's good to have both moments, right? And being comfortable with yourself. And also like, um, I mean, I was an only child, so I had um, to be alone a lot after school, but I ended up having a lot of hobbies. Like I went on runs around the beach too, or like I would go down um, on the rocks, like, uh, I don't, I live like two or three minutes from the pier. And so I would just find like some rocks to sit on and I would do my homework or I would like just journal. And um, I don't know, and I would have solo dance parties or hang out with my cats or I don't know, but it's really good to be self-sufficient and to have that kind of time for yourself and have hobbies and be a little bit like, maybe it helps push you to be more well-rounded in a way. Yeah, absolutely. I, de I definitely think so. Yeah. And your mom is pretty independent too, right? She was a an athlete. Yeah, 
he was. Um, so my <laughs> mom uh, will completely show me up at skateboarding. Um, she was actually um, world champion of women's freestyle skateboarding in the 1970s. So she grew up in, in L.A. as well. Um, my grandparents are British, but so her parents were immigrants here to the U.S. Um, and somehow, you know, the daughter of, of two um, proper British immigrants ended up getting into the 1970s uh, skateboarding scene here in Southern California. And um, yeah, she's been skateboarding her her entire life. Um, she rode for the Pepsi skateboard team and, and traveled internationally with them. And now she is in her late 50s, but she can still skateboard better than both me and my brothers. So <laughs> that's amazing. And did she give you advice? Like when you were traveling, like, did she help you in any kind of way? Yeah, my mom, uh, my mom's upbringing was very different than mine in the sense that my mom was the youngest of five children, and I'm the oldest of three children. So I feel like when you're the youngest, you can kind of get away with a lot more. <laughs> um, so her parents were always very open with her traveling. But um, my mom was always very, um, very cautious with me. I was traveling by myself, but anywhere that I'd be, I'd call her the minute I got down, I'd text her exactly where I was going. Um, but she was always very, very supportive of me. She, she still is. Yeah. I would just imagine like having parents that are supportive of you and also like have had their own kind of experiences of like, traveling the world a bit I'm sure that helps a lot or maybe like do you think that it gave you some kind of encouragement to go out and like travel and do these kinds of big things um I, I think so to an extent my mom traveled for work but I've always been somebody where I kind of have the the travel bug regardless <laughs> but I think it definitely influenced me a bit yeah <laughs> that's amazing well I think that's all the questions I have. We talked about skincare, parents, <laughs> surfing, modeling, automobiles. That we, <laughs> I think we've covered it all. So I'm really thankful that you came on. And I hope that other people will find it as interesting as I did. And I really do appreciate all the advice and everything that you shared with us. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. I, I had a wonderful time. Quick little note before you go, a lot of people have actually been asking me this question and so I figured it's important to talk about it here right now for once and for all. A lot of people want to know where they can find the products I've mentioned or how to find ways to connect with the guests on this show and the answer is simple as a button. Is that an expression? Anyway, the point is, go to the show notes, which is the episode description, which you should be able to see if you look for it. And that's all. All the links are there. So hopefully that helps and can't wait to see you in the next one. And by the way, if you could, it would really, really, really help me out if you left a review because that helps other people in the podcast app find me and my podcast. And I feel like I've got some value. So if you would, then do it and I would really appreciate it and I'll give you a virtual hug right now and some kisses thank you so much bye